0: The issue that has happened is that the, the Constitution itself dictates that any unenumerated powers belong in the hands of the people. But the government has slowly and ever, ever further encroached upon the unenumerated powers, enumerating to themselves more and more powers that were not enumerated anymore. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber.
1: And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith.
0: Welcome to another episode of Carpe Fide. We're here tonight with uh, one of our favorite guests uh, of the Carpe Fide Show. Uh, Tonight is episode 60. (laughs) What is this, some type of late night show? Carpe (laughs) Fide Show. No, there was no music. You just made that up just now. Sure did. Uh, t- tonight we'll be we'll be tackling a large topic that we're going to shrink down into the perfect answer that everyone will love <laughs> and everyone will find acceptable. We're going to be t- discussing uh, what is the biblical uh, framework for living in a constitutional republic in twenty twenty two America. <laughs> Is that right? Did I get that all right? That's a lot. You did a fairly decent job. Adequate, just adequate. That's all I did. It's a you long. Can, we're we're going to. The title will be better when we when we type it up. We're, we're getting there. It's a big idea. We're trying to boil it down. Yep. And our guest tonight is none other than the John Cooper. John, how you doing tonight?
2: I've been good. Good guys. I mean, it's good to finally be on the show, and I've been playing a lot of shows. You know, and I listen to you guys. I know you guys listen to my music, so you know it's <laughs> yeah. a really good time.
0: When you made "Awake and Alive," did you find it ironic that 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 those two things kind of go together? Like you wrote the song, and it was "Awake and Alive," and it's like, well, I just if you're awake, I mean, what I don't understand, like you're alive.
2: Well, so it it was kind of an oxymoron for me because when I woke, when I actually wrote the song, I was neither awake or alive. I had just uh, died, (laughs) and they put me on life support, and so it was kind of an awakening. And then what they did is they actually unplugged me, and so when I was unplugged, that's when I got all these great ideas, and then uh, that's why I kind of came up with songs.
0: Regardless, regardless, at this point, it's probably good to say this is not that John Cooper. This is yeah. this is Army Sniper John Cooper, uh, who. Well, I'm thankful that they plugged you back in, personally. <laughs> yeah, oh my know, goodness! It's, it's good. But why don't we unplug and get started here? I think that's a good idea. Um, we're going to. <laughs> We thought we'd jump in by starting with the word, because no matter what your form of government is, it's important to hold Christ as sovereign. We we constantly say, on repeat, that, that Christ is king, Christ is sovereign, and so he is our ruling authority. So we start there, uh, and then we'll talk about what it's like. And this will be interesting, because we do have a good audience, uh, and a good international audience. And so this will be a fairly interesting take on what, what happens here in America. What is it like to live under our particular constitutional republic? Uh, and and how does the <laughs> biblical... Career- Versus what it's like to live under a completely arbitrary government. Yeah, <laughs> one that may have a right, you know, like uh, a charter of mm-hmm. rights uh, that don't mean anything when the government says so. So <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> which is ironically built into the charter Which of is rights. the first paragraph of the charter, actually.
1: <laughs> the charter of rights and freedoms that can be taken away when if we, we say so. As soon as we
0: decide. <laughs> We've decided. Uh, anyway. We're going to start uh, with the two... Um, well, geez, the, I think the past two years the most off-quoted Bible verses uh, about government uh, ever on they, both sides like, of the aisle. Ad nauseum, these these passages are quoted. Uh, that will be we will be in Romans thirteen. We'll be in First Peter chapter two. Uh, I thought we'd start with First Peter two. Is that okay with everybody? John, you agree? Yes, Jesse, agree? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in agreement. All right. <laughs> Oh, the magic of editing! First Peter, chapter two. <laughs> they didn't even know. <laughs> we're gonna start in. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna start in uh, verse thirteen, um, and and would anyone else like to read it? I don't have to be the only one to read this. Actually, I, I just. Read uh, I can get Romans. You got Romans. Romans you, you got Romans thirteen. Yeah. All right, Romans thirteen. So John's got that. I'll read First Peter chapter two, and Jesse, you just shut your fat mouth. I'll sit here wishing I was reading Bible. Oh man, Here, I'll hold mine open. And we can read together. Oh. It's like Aunt, in church when they it's say It's like share. the old couples
1: at the, in the pews. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yep. Yeah. First Peter chapter 2, we'll starting verse 13. Here's what it says. I'm Submit reading. Your, just, oh. You know what? Just to be clear, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, so you can follow along on your version as well. I just wanted to make sure I clarified that since I didn't want anyone to become confused. It says this. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right for such is the will of god that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men dun, dun, dun.
2: and then uh i will be it's like the standard version is still technically the new american standard bible right it's pretty similar. preserving the legacy of it that's what i hear yeah, so i mean that's what i'm that's what i'm reading from so um, you you announced it, so I figured I'd have to do the same.
0: Very good. Excellent. But
2: anyways, <clears throat> um, so Romans 13, starting at verse 1 and we'll end at verse 6. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists that authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation "...upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have fear of that authority? Do you do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword in vain, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of that wrath, but also... Because of conscience, for therefore you pay taxes, theft. For
0: oh no,
2: I'm Rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to the very thing.
0: Taxation is theft. That's true. <laughs> that's a different. Ta- that's a different podcast. That is not tonight's podcast.
2: Entering a different podcast room. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, So I think let's just get one thing right off the table here. Do you guys feel that these passages are saying that we should submit ourselves to the government in everything? Always. No. Negative. Oh, okay. All right. So I think we're all in agreement on that. Uh, well, could you guys clarify that position? Your, like, your I mean, I can go first. Why don't you go first, John? You you're you're our guest.
2: Yeah, so I think that there's a... Um, And I was talking to this guy's a, he's a mentor in my life. He was a chaplain and he was my chaplain when I was in Hawaii. Um, And one thing he said is he was like, we'll bend over backwards to show how wives don't need to be subjected to their husbands. And we'll show every, we'll make sure to throw every single reason why a wife could, you know, justly not submit to her husband in certain circumstances. Yet when it comes to this part of authority, we just immediately want to roll over and and die. Um, and I said that's uh, <clears throat> a good way of looking at it. Where it's like there are times where, um, if you look at examples in Scripture, Paul himself, um, especially looking at like Acts 16, which I'm sure we'll get into those passages, um, he doesn't just fully submit himself. Peter as well. I mean, they both had times where they didn't submit. Jesus didn't submit to the governing authorities here on earth. And so um, though there were times of submission, though there were things that they submitted to, I mean, Jesus looks right at the ruler of of his time, you know, uh, Pontius Pilate, and, was, and is like, you, I'm here because of my own authority, pretty much. And so um, there are times where,
1: Submission and you think is, this is gives you good? power over me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so <Beam> power! Jesus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and,
2: uh, Going to your uh, Revenge of the Sith reference from the other night. Oh, oh yeah. Unlimited yeah. power. <laughs> power. Uh, no, so I mean, there are there are times of submission, and then there are times where you follow God and you follow what's good over what the government is telling you, which eventually will go not be good. So that's my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it it is, it is clear both, both from the texts, uh, as well as from the examples of men from the old Testament and into the new, um, that God is the ultimate authority. Um, there, Mm. there are other spheres of earthly authority, such as the church, the family, the government, um, but God is the ultimate authority, and when there are clashes and conflicts between those spheres and our highest authority, that we, like uh, I believe it was Peter, uh, said we must obey God rather than man, um, because if we are to obey the government and to do something that is sinful, um, you know, we, we will not stand, thank God, we will not stand before Governor Murphy in heaven. Uh, we will stand before our creator. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah. So I I think we're we're definitely, I think we're definitely all in agreement there. Um, uh, And
2: I, I think that's one thing I just got done with a book, reading a book about John Knox and um, fear John Knox fearless faith by Steve Lawson. And one thing he says about John Knox is he was so captivated by the fear of God that he couldn't fear man.
1: hmm.
2: And um, I, I think a lot of what we see with, people who want to automatically submit to the government is they're they're scared of uh the sword and rightfully so um and the power it wields and so sometimes we can lose sight i mean look at john knox i mean a guy who was constantly under the threat of the government um and he was going i mean can you imagine you know obviously um it's no fan there's no surprise that not all of us are fans of president brandon but if we were to go um, to up to him, and obviously we would all have our own our own quarrels with the way he governs, but just being the fact that he's Catholic, if we were to like John Knox did with uh, Mary Queen of Scots, I mean, just the fact that she was Catholic, he was like you, and you're a ruler. I'm going to speak out against that. He had so he had zero fear of her and the power she wielded, and that he was attempted to be assassinated. All this stuff. I think we lose the the reverence of the fear of God, um, which is why so many people fear man in, in a lot of these scenarios.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's 100% relevant. I am doing everything within me not to launch into uh, education and government education Stop and the role it. that it plays. Stop it.
0: Allowing people to roll over to the state. Harness it. I'm harnessing the power. Harness it. <laughs> um, I think you guys are both... Um, are both on point here um I think one of the things you said John kind of made me um it's kind of clicked me back over to the next question that I think logically flows from from those two passages
1: before before we jump there Oh, okay go ahead
0: I forgot that I wanted to say this funny joke okay but is it going to be about education uh no okay go ahead
1: John w- would you say that when you read uh, the book on John Knox that his he had a hard Knox life <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh,
1: <laughs> that's good. I like
0: that you guys are just so unplugged, and I really need you guys that's to focus. All right? I'm sorry, we, we got to plug it back in. So plug it, plug it back in. All right, so, because um, you, you, one you actually mentioned. Oh, no, Jesse, Jesse mentioned this. This, uh, it's it's when um, Peter and John were arrested, and uh, their exact their exact communication um, after they were you know judged and then put away, and then they counseled for a minute, and then they pulled him back out, and, and you know. Pass their judgment. Um, and and Peter's answer was uh, was quite clear. Um, uh, let me, I, I totally got it. I'm in Acts chapter 4 and we're here in 19. It says, but John, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Verse 20, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Um, and And one of the things that strikes me there is when Peter and John are before the uh, religious leaders that are looking to condemn them, their communication is if, you know, you guys can decide what is right for you, but it's God who's actually going to deem what is right or wrong. Um, And that takes me to the next, I think the next logical question. Um, There's some confusion, there's some, there's some, there is some, Debate about the word righteousness, so I won't necessarily apply it here into first into First Peter and Romans thirteen. But when I when I say this question, it's very clear that both of those passages call a leader right to uphold and approve what is good, and uh, pass judgment. In fact, in fact, swift and even harsh judgment on what is evil or wrong. Um, and yep. in doing those things, the next question becomes then. And this kind of is a clarifying question to what you guys just said. If we're not to obey a government at all times, like clearly, um, if a government is telling us to do something that is obviously sin, we should not obey it. Um, or like, say, say you're under Caesar and it's saying here, you just have to just light this incense to Caesar so that you can show your allegiance and worship of Caesar. And a Christian says, no, I will not light that incense. I cannot worship Caesar. Caesar's not my Lord. Christ is my Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so there's obviously those times that those things are, are wrong. So then we have to ask when in Romans 13 and first Peter chapter two, what is then the standard of right and wrong of good and evil in those passages? What's the standard?
2: I mean, it's the word of God. I mean, he defines what's good and what's evil. And so. Now, does that mean that we, with the sword, you know, that when I was in the army, that I should have been deployed to make sure everyone was praying every morning and doing their devotions, you know? Like, no, that's obviously not um, not what the call is, but to restrain I mean, that moral law.
0: With that gun, you probably could have, been, you know, if several people would have listened at least to <laughs> doing their devotions. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, I'll do my yeah. devotions right now, sir. <laughs> yeah,
2: we would have had the outward action. Um, but... I mean good and evil defined as in God's moral law um, should be enforced by the government, and I think that's what God expects. Um, Once we get into the more constitutional republic um, part of the discussion, um, you see a model – and I I wrote down Nehemiah 10 when we get there, but – so if you're listening, hang on. Uh, But but we – governments – swear by that law as well and so yes God will hold that leader accountable on the day of judgment um, for what he has done but governments themselves by their very nature swear to uphold the laws um, of the land and those laws in this country um, were definitely based on a biblical basis Um, and we're very blessed for that Uh, but yeah it's God defines good and evil and he is the one who will ultimately judge good and evil, whether it's here on earth, which, you know, last time I, or not the last time I was on, but one of the other times I was on, we talked about how God's ministry for, you know, in in taking out the wrath on people is militaries of this earth um, and governments. And that's one of the ways he does that. And so whether that's a foreign army invading um, or whether that's, you know, an incompetent leader in charge i mean we get that's the way god um judges nations that don't uphold good and evil especially within their governments
0: certainly uh have clear biblical precedent for that throughout uh the the, the scriptures. so that's very clear mm-hmm. did you have anything to add i didn't No, john 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 hit it out of the park yeah i mean it's pretty me clear so. uh it's so so say. what we just to, just to recap I think it's good to always recap what we're saying here the biblical framework is for us to submit to our government as far as it is possible um, and where it is not is because the good the good standard and the right and the right standard that they are upholding is not God's good and right standard and the the, the standard of evil and wrong that they're upholding is not the standard of evil and wrong that God is upholding and those are the times when a Christian, uh, n- will find himself living in defiance of the government because God is yeah. their sovereign is that right that's that's, like a, that's right all right good we got a good clarifying moment there
1: uh I, I do want to to that end I, I don't want to neglect mentioning um God versus government is out by nathan Busenitz I have no idea i I mean he's super American so I have no idea if that's what he anyway and also uh pastor James Coates you know when um, you
0: don't know how to pre- I I don't know how to pronounce his name but I believe it's Boosnitz would have been fine there.
1: So uh they in 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 this book God versus government um they talk about uh biblical exceptions to of um, obeying the government and, re- and reviewing the government. So uh, I do not want to go into it because everyone should buy the book, but the, the categories of the exceptions are helpful, and Justin mentioned at least two of them. So an exception one to obeying the government would be an um, order to do what is wrong. So when they are telling you to do something that is wrong, you are to disobey. Uh, exception number two is an order to stop doing what is right. Uh, we see that also evident through the story of Grace Church and Grace Community and Grace Life. Exception number three is an order that contradicts another level of civil authority. So when you have upper magistrates and and lower magistrates uh, conflicting with one another, you're able to appeal to a higher authority or a lower authority, depending on, you know, how that's laid out. Uh, Exception number four is an order to stay silent in the face of evil. Um, And also, finally, exception five is an order to turn yourself in. Um, And they give biblical examples of all of those categories uh, demonstrated to us in the scriptures. Um so just helpful categories for thinking through
0: that. Yes, those are excellent. And uh man, you know what one day if we if you know James is willing to slum it with us low life's again, we we're gonna we're gonna grill him on this book. Yeah. <laughs> we know that Nathan it's will not
1: come on the podcast
0: with us for us butchering his name. <laughs> don't know that he's German, <laughs> but, but man alive. Well, it wasn't for butchering his name, it was for
2: that.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to come on because you got my name wrong, and that's not a big deal, but when you made me Hitler, that's when I had a real problem. <laughs> no,
1: no, it's just standard
0: German. Oh, that was just your average German? That was just German? regular German, yeah. Okay. Hitler would be like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, stop it. Um, well, when you take these clarifying points, and so what we're trying to do is then maybe unpack unpack the application of those so obviously those are going to have a specific application to time and place who are you where do you live what government are you under um and that's going to differ for each person even even alive at this very moment as there are the the vast array of governments across our our world at this very time but for us in our context here in south jersey and or upstate new york depending on which one of us is speaking at the moment what, what that's going to depend on us for is is to apply this to the constitutional republic under which we live and so for us we then have to say i think i think i don't know i don't know if this is okay but i feel like the next question you go to is who is our governing authority does that make sense logically? I feel like I feel like that's mm-hmm. legitimate. Yeah. So then, who? So then, well, I, guess, I mean,
1: perhaps even a prior question would be: Paul wasn't under a constitutional republic.
0: <laughs> no, Paul was not under a constitutional yeah. republic. So Peter was then. Nope, they were both under a deified um, Caesar. The, yes, that's who that's who ruled them. Oh, okay. Yes, and uh, yep. So. so we. So at this point, we are talking
1: about. How do we apply these biblical truths to where we are today? How do we apply these concepts to 21st century America? I mean, even 18th century America, I guess, technically. Right, right. From, from the founding. And, the Constitutional and, Republic. And
0: I, I do want to say this. It's important because Peter is very clear about it as well. The the, the Caesar himself appointed different uh, <coughs> territorial uh, governors as well, so he saw those as extensions of the Caesar. Magistrates, right. Um so so we had the they had those as well. So that's that that still applies. I think we can understand that here. So I'm now, really
1: holding back from repeating random words in
0: angry German.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't do the German, <laughs> probably anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to temper it. So who's our governing authority here, guys in 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 twenty in 2022 yeah. in America?
2: Tis the people.
0: Tis the people. <laughs> what makes you? <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> in the King James, uh, no, uh, thou t- I was just gonna read. I was just going to read the definition of a constitutional Republic just so that way um, our Canadian friends who wish they had such governance um, have the definition. And so um, a constitutional republic is a form of government in which the head of state, as well as other officials are elected by the country's citizens to represent them. Those representatives must then follow the rules of that country's constitution and governing their people like the U S government, A constitutional republic may consist of three branches, executive, judicial, and legislative, which divide the power of the government so that no one branch becomes too powerful. And so we, the people, are the ruling authority because we elect those who would then, over all of us, would govern by the Constitution. And so we – like the conversation we've had before – is that um, the debate where it's like you can't really be American if you don't subscribe to the Constitution because that is what we the people are, is, is the Constitution of the United States. So I guess maybe I was misspoken and I should have said the Constitution is therefore our governing authority That would have been more clear. Um, but, yeah, that's yep. all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, and, and what's interesting is... is yeah, I, I think uh,
1: perhaps perhaps a clarifying way to answer it. What is, what is the highest uh, civil authority... Th- For us to appeal to the Constitution of the United States of America, which would be the Constitution of the United States,
0: in which we, the people, are the authority. Uh, In fact, what's important that we've forgotten that the government the government has largely forgotten over the decades and decades and decades of ever creeping bureaucratic bureaucratic forgetting what things are supposed to be. The the issue that has has happened is that the the constitution itself dictates that any any unenumerated powers belong in the hands of the people but the government has slowly and ever ever further encroached upon the unenumerated powers enumerating to themselves more and more powers that were not enumerated in the constitution
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that's I mean, the big issue. I I could be
1: wrong. I, I'm not I'm skeptical about how slowly this happened. I mean I feel like the past probably seventy or eighty years things escalated quite quickly as in terms of uh outsized governmental overreach in America. Uh, am I wrong see. in that? You guys might know more history than I am.
0: Um, yeah, you could probably go back. You could probably go back, I guess, to the fifties. I'm, I'm not talking um, about
1: the beginning of a slide. I'm talking about most rapid progression.
0: I mean, you probably want to look look at the time of World War II, Great Depression, those types of areas where a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of unenumerated powers were seized upon, where a lot of things were enshrined into law that that have. Uh, let's just say tenuous constitutional uh, appeal, at least for me. Um, when I when I look at the Constitution and what the founding fathers planned, um, I think you go back that far, perhaps. So maybe even a little further than than the fifties there. Um, the 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 real The real issue is we have to go back. If you're going to understand the Constitution, you have to put it into its context as well. Um, and that's that's probably the big the big factor we live under the constitution of the United States of America. It is our highest, it is the highest government to which we can appeal. It is our governing authority. And so to live in subject to that governing authority, um, is the call of every American. So, so that's, our yeah, first. and just, this is a quick, <laughs> go, a go, quick go.
2: plug for Hillsdale college. Um, they do a free on YouTube Constitution One Hundred and One. So, anyone who doesn't know, I'm no expert on the Constitution by any means. Um, I've got a lot to learn about it as well. But just if you you need to know what the document says, and I, I think even as especially as ministers, um, we saw that with John MacArthur's fight in um, California. I mean, he knew what the law was, and he was able to act upon it. So Hillsdale College does a Constitution One Hundred and One course. Um, so that you can know the history of the constitution, why it was formed the time it was formed and also, um, just in depth study on it for free. It's on YouTube. So
0: yeah. And if you're an Amazon prime member, you can get, um, some great teachings from wall builders as well. So if you've ever, never had any interactions with, uh, the Barton his the father and son, uh, Barton, you would, uh, you find wall builders (laughs) and they have a great constitutional course as well. So I'll say that too. Yeah, there you go. And that's on Amazon prime, by the way. Interesting. Um, so if we're if our highest form of government then that we can appeal to is the actual constitution of the United States of America, uh, and the reality is there is no royalty in America. Rather, the the reality of America was intended that the people would indeed be the royalty of our country, uh, which is really cool to think about. We don't we, we don't bow to a king. Uh, we in fact we don't inherently have to bow to any man because that's not how our country works. Um, then we have to then say, what does it look like to then apply? These biblical standards, as outlined, uh, to say the Constitution, and I always say the Constitution because it is our governing authority. But to neglect the Declaration of Independence, which is really the um, the the form of our government, and versus the function inside of the Constitution, which has the functioning of our government. Um, the the Declaration is by is is most certainly the the spirit and heart by which the Constitution. Uh, was hammered out on the on, on the iron, um, and and that 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 would be it would be we'd be remiss to not mention the Declaration of Independence in that as well. So. Yeah. But anyway, how do we live then? How do we then live in twenty twenty two America in upstate New York and in South Jersey here, um, when when faced with these questions of needing to submit ourselves to our, our governing authorities, knowing that our highest form of governing authority is the Constitution of the United States of America, when we have so many. Ever pressing and encroaching um, bureaucratic nightmares that we can't seem to wake up from from our local magistrates. <laughs> like, how do we then? How do we then live? Um, and I think we, I think we can take this to some very interesting lengths here because there's a lot of questions that then pop up uh, from this type of a, a thought process.
1: Yeah, I mean, something something that I think of is so we we are called to treat human beings a certain way, right? I mean, just generally. Yeah yes okay so so (laughs) that's an easy question thank you yeah so so when we have like when we have um presidents and state legislature state legislators and congressmen and women uh and state senators and and all of these lesser magistrates that are actual people that are the representatives that we elect right um how do you think because we can't treat a constitu- the Constitution like a human being. But I think that clearly in First uh, Peter and in Romans 13, Paul is having an idea, or Paul and Peter are having the idea that we are interacting with human beings. How, how are we supposed to treat our governing, our actual uh, governing governors, the, the actual magistrates themselves, how are we supposed to treat them when they're ruling in unrighteousness?
2: Well, I mean, you could look at how the Bible says to treat employees because <laughs> that's, you know, that's in, in <laughs> essence, that's what they are. <laughs> you're fired. Um, and, Yeah. <laughs> but I think how, so how are we to interact? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong in just saying, how are we to interact with leaders who are, though they represent us, are not representing us? Is that, I mean, is that in essence what you're saying?
1: Yeah. I mean, how do we, so we, we are called, we are called to, um, you know, respect those honor honor the king or or something so, so respect to the king or something like that. Uh, that uh, first Peter, I don't have it right in front of me. The first Peter references. I mean, and and there the, the the actual physical rulers that they are referencing in their current in their current cultural context were quite evil. Um, yeah. So in in our form of governance, where we are not to deify our magistrates. How do passages like that apply when they're when they're ruling unrighteousness?
2: Well, instead of saying no, you say no, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just joking around. So, I think I think mean, you need to be careful to honor um, and pray for our leaders. I mean, they are people that, though we may not have voted for, um, they were put in that position uh, by our people and ultimately by God. Um, so I do I do think we need to honor them. But that but they at, at the end of the day, like, we don't serve them. They serve us. And so I think you have to go from if you how are you to treat an employee? So, I mean, if you look at kind of like you look at Onesimus, right, with Philemon, I mean, that's kind of what that was. It's a runaway employee who's not doing what you're, he's told. Um, I think that there are that's more of how we need to view it i think we've this this is something that i've that's bugged me about both listening to the conservative side of the aisle and the democrat side of the aisle is they keep saying our democracy our democracy our democracy it's like they're trying to pound it into our head so we are not a democracy like though some of our local rulings are democracies we don't we don't rule that way. Like it, This is not the way our government's done. And so when we start to look at these are people who represent us, we are to honor them. But we are also to call them out on their BS, um, whether that's done through protesting, whether that's done through writing a letter, whether that's done through a phone call, whether that's done by just conversations uh, with people about what's going on. I mean, what is actually going on? We need to talk about that kind of stuff and and over there's an overarching, uh, I maybe mean, that's not the right word, but there's just this this massive movement to get us to stop talking to each other, um, and that's when it that's when we we break and we crumble um, because talking to each other and calling out our leaders for their BS is really what is going to get. As an employer, that's what I would do with my employee. I would call him out and say, "This is what you need to do," um, and guess what? Just like in just like with an employee, if you don't do what, what you need to do, if you don't follow the laws that you're supposed to follow, we w- you will be fired. Um, and luckily, we're in a system where we don't have guys who rule for 10, 12 years. you know like it's you know though sometimes it seems that way because they keep getting reelected, but we let our voice be known respectfully. Um, and we tell them like this is not we hold them to the laws that they themselves swore to. Uh, though sometimes it may take a while, this government system is meant to go very, very, very slow because you can weed out um, the wickedness, really, of what people are, the intentions people are trying. I mean, look how fast it happened in Canada, um, in Australia, and places like that, where it was just, it happened so fast. But here in New York, these mandates hit us hard, and in Jersey as well, California, but in Florida, Texas, I mean the it, the the constitution went upheld. Really showed to be the the just showed how strong and how blessed we actually are to have this. And so, how we interact with these people is we point to these situations. We do what they did in Virginia with the school boards. I know you love education, but that that's how we interact with our leaders. As we go in, we flood these places, and we we hold them to the righteous standard that they are supposed to uphold, and. Uh, and when they don't we vote them out and we get people who are going to who are going to actually follow those standards and we're we're very fortunate that we have the ability to do that
1: yeah i think they did that in uh california too with some of the school boards didn't they they uh recalled them mm-hmm. i think that's correct with a
0: special yeah. special election in san francisco stuff. yeah yeah what i'm what i'm gleaning here is the reality uh tell me ruth what are you gleaning <laughs> nice nice reference there Jesse. oh well. uh, should we talk about what the gleaning system was in, in in the Hebrew law and and that that social service that they created there? You're you're talking through Ephesians chapter no. six, is what you're referencing. Uh, the references to slaves and masters and how it out, how Paul outlines. Uh, what we're to do and how we're to treat them. And I do like, I do think it's important to note this. Ephesians chapter six and in verse nine says, and masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master, that's a capital M master, and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And I think that's a, that's a great, that's just a great word. If we're going to be, we should be remind mindful of that when we are going to, uh, when we're thinking about interacting with those that are in authority over us, um, because how we treat them will be a reflection of, of God uh, and how we should treat, uh, how we should show care with them because God will not be partial when he judges for what we have done. So that's a good reminder. Um, I think, I think that what we're, what we're getting here is this very real tension in both being, um, being a person who lives righteously um, and and tries to obey God, what God has set as his good standard and what God has set as a standard of evil, um, and and bring that tension into how we live under the Constitution with those rulers that may lead in a unrighteous or, or evil or wrong manner as, as, when, as measured to God's standard. And I think we know, and we can feel confident in in some things. And the difference, so one of the big differences is there was no place to appeal for so many people in biblical times. There was no authority mm-hmm. to appeal to other than local magistrate, or although if you could by some chance, if you're if you're Paul and you're going before, you're going to Rome for trial. You know, like there's there's no there's nowhere to appeal above the decisions of of Caesar and his dictates, and. For us, we don't need to appeal to the the whim of Bi- of Joe Biden or Donald Trump. We mm-hmm. we appeal to the constitutional standards as outlined. And the whim of the Supreme Court. <laughs> the whim of the Supreme Court. <laughs> oh man! And you know Andrew Jackson, father of the Democratic Party, <laughs> he once he once said after the Supreme Court. Boy, ruled, isn't that a giant irony? It is funny. After. Uh, after the supreme court ruled against something that he had um, he had sought to do executively or had sought, had the after the the congress had done something and the supreme court ruled against it as unconstitutional he being in charge of the president at the time in charge of the executive branch said oh that's good now let's see them enforce it <laughs> cuz the judicial branch has nothing to do with enforcing the law and that was up to him and he basically said it's yeah, a great one, guys. It's tough crap. You can't make you can't make me enforce it, so good luck. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Thanks. It turns out the Supreme Court should be the weakest branch of the government because they are completely unelected. That's neither here nor there. When we look uh when we think about the Constitution, when we think about um what has happened, one of the things that I become concerned with, and I don't know if you guys will follow me on this fear, uh, it's that with the bureaucratic creep, the um the overthrow of the Constitution by our leaders seems to be something that becomes an ever more an ever growing concern to me um the The foundational rights as outlined in the constitution um were written by men who were incredibly religious and in fact um objectively the the only there's there's oh there were so many deists look at all the deists that were at the founding and then you're like, oh go ahead, go ahead and tell me the deists and they're like, well, there was like it's like Ben Franklin and like, you know, Thomas Jefferson and, uh, you know, but there was a lot of them and then they have nothing else after that. And it's like, well, uh, I'm with you on Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin uh, is one that I think objectively we can say was a deist, but I don't even go all, all the way there with Thomas Jefferson. You're going to have to, you have a lot of questions to answer if you want me to map onto that one for yeah. you. Um, and so we're talking about religious men with a, with a. Protestant Christian worldview. Um that was back then largely biblically informed um because that <laughs> far was far mo- far more than our current Protestantism is. <laughs> far yes, yes. The reality is just about every man that signed the Declaration of Independence, just about every signer of the Constitution all knew more Bible than just about any pastor across our our country today. And that is a, mm-hmm. a true and vi- it's a it's a very real reality. Um, because the bible is what they had um uh, i mean
2: think about this one of the signers of the declaration of independence was a pastor and that was his main occupation and yeah so I, I mean
0: i think i think you can make the argument there were three but i mean yeah that there, yeah. there was one whose specific sole vocation was to be a pastor and i mean these men did not mess around either they signed over their lives when they signed the declaration of independence mm-hmm. and so we can't just We can't. I would not want to treat that lightly. I would not want to look at someone who actually knew more of the word than I, and say, uh, "You just got it wrong. Everything you did there was wrong. It was clearly a mistake." Um, And what we're talking about is a group of men who were, were essentially right, stating that after they had tried to redress their grievances with their government and were continually rebuffed and ignored they sought that, again this is a this is a, a process that took uh more th- almost over a decade we're talking about these appeals yeah this is a long process but then they sought to actually uh move away from their government which le- led to an overthrow which le- led to a violent overthrow of the government um and these were not men that took their faith uh they did not treat their faith tritely. They they were very serious about their faith, um, and it leaves for us to say some, something along the lines of when the Constitution is being ignored. When when we come to a point where the Constitution is uh, is the second is the secondary thought, then then what are we left to do if we are to submit ourselves to our governing authority, the highest form we can appeal to being the Constitution. And I think that's kind of a, an interesting question that I have because at some point we're, we're we're gonna have to wrestle with that uh and it seems to creep at least on our borders and at least in these places where there's there there's still a tacit uh wink and nod towards the monarchy there seems to be a very real fear that this day this day this day creeps ever closer um and and I'd love to hear are you talking about, about the thoughts? day where the rubber
1: meets the rifle? <laughs>
0: Why, well, I Why mean, is there rubber on so, the rifle? I don't
2: <laughs> Yeah. On the buttstock. Some, some oh, that's true. You know what All I'll right, all right. all right.
1: All right, got to have it. I'll Gotta... give him that. <laughs> okay. I know something sometimes.
2: <laughs> I know the gun thing. Uh <laughs> Yeah,
0: you know. Pass me that clip. <laughs> <laughs> you mean magazine. Yeah, so I <laughs> Yeah. Um
2: I think one of the things that I, I had written down in my notes before I came in was, was ha, man, how do we submit and, and we do not submit to a man rather rather uh, like our representatives we submit to a document uh, like we've talked before. And a soldier, as a soldier, I swore an oath to be loyal to that document. There was – though, yes, I said I would obey orders coming down from the president of the United States, but I said lawful orders am my – Oath is to the Constitution of the United States, and that is against enemies, both foreign and domestic. And so when you get to the domestic side, you know, the foreign side's pretty easy because it's like, okay, you know, they point me in the direction, they put me on a plane, and then I go. Um, the domestic side, obviously, we haven't really had to worry about that, um, at least in my in my lifetime and in, in most recent years, uh, what those enemies look like. But the oath of every soldier and every armed uh, servant of the government um, is to that document, and I think that is is done very intentionally uh, to guard I, the founders. Like we've said before, I think there's this there's this idiotic notion in a lot of people that because it's old, it's not smart um, because they didn't have iPhones to figure out what they were doing, um, and so these people were extremely intelligent and they knew that if they didn't have a document that safeguarded people from tyranny it would come now what do you do about a bureaucratic system that doesn't care um about it and and you know there are a lot of people who feel that the election um you know was not fairly brought out and and there's there's a lot of proof in in the minorities' places, um, not minority as in like oh, ethnic, great. but like minority. Now John's
0: going to go off on a conspiracy. Theory. Yeah. They were all conspiracy yeah. theorists <laughs> yeah.
2: no, but I'm saying like, for
0: so, the record.
1: So
2: if you, <laughs> if you don't, um, if the election is not done fairly, if that, if that happens in this country where we do not have a way of putting our, our voting, our representatives in, then we're in a situation of a Jeroboam and a Rehoboam. Um, out of Kings, where it's like uh, Jeroboam comes, uh, it's in King First Kings 12, Re- Jeroboam comes to Rehoboam and says, you know, this this is the demands of the people. Like, we demand lower taxes. He goes there with the people. We demand lower taxes and we demand, less, you know, this labor law that you have on us to be taken away uh, or at least lessened. And then Rehoboam says no. Well, then there's a really important verse um, in that, that I think is extremely helpful to us uh, thinking about what what do we do? Like how do we go about this? And it may come to this day, obviously, I hope it doesn't, but in um, in verse 16 of of first Kings twelve, it says, "Then all of Israel saw that the king did not listen to them. So this bureaucratic system is not going to listen to us. They're not going to go to the um, constitution which they've which they've sworn to. And so the people responded to the king with this word and said, "What portion do we have with David? Uh, we have no inheritance to the son of Jesse, uh, or your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David." So Israel went to their tents. So I mean, they basically said, "We're going to separate. If you're not going to, if you're not going to represent us, if you're not going to uphold, um, as as we would say in this this instance, the Constitution of the United States, then we're gonna we're gonna find someone who will." Um, and that's exactly what they do with Jeroboam. And then what's interesting is that Rehoboam comes to Jeroboam and says he assembled 180,000 chosen men to go fight. But then God intervenes um, through the prophet uh, Shemiah, I think is how you say his name. And who does he speak to? He speaks to Rehoboam. And says, so speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and say to all the house of Judah and Benjamin to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says Yahweh. Thou shalt not go up and fight against your brothers and sisters in Israel. So who's who does God correct? It's not Jeroboam who says we're going to uphold. Now Jeroboam had his own problems, uh, but at the same time, like that is, I feel like that's a, a, something we can look at where it's like who did God reprimand? It was Rehoboam. It wasn't Jeroboam. And so this guy is saying, look, if you're not going to uphold, if you're not going to do his best in the people's interest, there comes a point where we say we've had enough and we, and I think we saw that in Canada, that frustration of like, we have had enough of this. And then you saw that the trucker protests and you saw all this kind of stuff. Um, there comes th- there just comes that point in every, in, in history where people have had enough and you hope it doesn't go to war. Um, obviously none of us would advocate for that. Um, but th- there, there comes a point where the, the backs are broken and when we the people are the royalty in this country and there's no one royal so we the people are royal we're not going to take it from someone who thinks he's going to tell us what to do and he really just uh, against the constitution and has no real authority to do so
0: yes here here that's not
1: a great i had a question probably about two-thirds of the way in, and then
0: I forgot what it was. So, No one's surprised. Yeah, I'm not either, really, honestly. I'm not even kicking <laughs> it's, myself. It's, out. it's, just, it's just, <laughs> funny because um, that passage sounds a lot like this, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, hmm. that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends... It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organization, organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety, happiness, uh, safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evidences a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What was that? Was that in the Declaration?
0: Bingo. That's in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah.
1: Did the Constitution actually ever reiterate the idea of. Um, securing a new government when the when our government is not upheld
0: no but there is clear th- i'm sorry go ahead john do you want
2: to i was gonna say i i don't have it up up um so i apologize for that but in the preamble it says like we are forming a new form of government um so i i know you said you were getting the i don't know if you have it up. oh yeah i you, can pull
0: but- the preamble to the constitution right now because I have that right here. You're prepared. (laughs) (laughs) The preamble to the Constitution says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, which is clearly establishing a new government, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Um, And one of the things they never would have and they they, they would have they would not have had any issue with the reality of if a government became something that needed to be overthrown um mm-hmm. th- then they would simply refer to the fact that this government started specifically because of that reason <laughs> um they would simply say oh no that's why this one started yeah so if you got to do that again i mean you got to do that again but that's why that's the why this whole thing began the other reality is, is if The Constitution in in and of itself, if the Constitution is not being adhered to, uh, it's not inherently a revolution that needs to occur. Rather, it's a—excuse me. It is more of a reformation back to the Constitution. Um, So that's that's one uh, interesting point of contention there. Um, It would be actually a calling back to a constitutional framework as opposed to um, a revolution to build a new— government.
2: Yeah. And I, and I wanted to, I mentioned this Nehemiah 10 a little earlier. Um, I yeah, just kind of wanted been waiting
0: to this, this whole time for Nehemiah 10. You teased yeah. it like 25 <laughs> minutes ago.
2: Yeah. And so I, I just wanted to bring this up because a lot of people would say, and I've heard this before in these talks is like, yeah, well, the constitution is just something we came up with. It's just some an idea that the founders had and you know, there's no actual, um, thought process behind this or whatever from the bible and nehemiah 10 uh i did i've done a lot of study recently in nehemiah i know we've talked about that offline and um just there's a lot in nehemiah especially about rebuilding um or reviving reforming however you want to say it uh cities nations to the lord i mean there's just there's tons because that's basically what nehemiah was doing He he was basically taking a city jerusalem that was destroyed, and he was not just re- rebuilding the wall, he was rebuilding the people and their faith. And so, and I love Nehemiah, but in Nehemiah 10, starting it's actually starting in 9, they go through, that they read um, all of what you know, people confess their sins, they read through the sins of their fathers, and they're just going on and on, and in verse 38, it says, now because of all this, so all this going through Israel's history, uh, it says, we are cutting an agreement in writing. On the sealed documents are the names of the princes, our Levites, and our priests. So now the sealed document were the following names: starts with Nehemiah and it goes through all of the the all of the leaders. Then it says these were the priests and the Levites, and it goes through all of them in their names. And then it says now the rest of the people. So so now you got you got three stages here: you have the people, the priests, and the leaders all signing on to these signed sealed documents, which is all from basically reforming the sins of the people. It's an agreement in writing. It says, Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land uh, to the law of God, their wives and their sons and daughters and those who had knowledge and understanding are joining with their relatives and nobles entering into a curse and an oath to walk in the in the laws, excuse me, in God's law, which was given in their hands by Moses, and to keep and do all the commandments of Yahweh our Lord and the judgments and His judgments and His statutes, and that we will not give our daughters' the people of the land, take their, their sons and daughters, and then the rest of it goes on to what are the obligations of this document. But this shows us that these three stages. Are these three um, avenues, or or however you want to call it, are bound by this document. They all bound themselves to a document to govern themselves. So the people, and by binding yourselves to a curse, you are saying if we don't all keep this, God be a curse. Well, then if you look at Nehemiah 13, it's the Levites who are breaking this, (laughs) of course. Of course,
0: big surprise.
2: yeah big surprise holy calf. <laughs> um but 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 you know, nehemiah comes in and he literally just beats the snot out of this out of them for not following the oath that they've made before and so we see that there is there's a constant keeping each other accountable on this and really i i maybe i'm wrong but i take this as this is our model for governance is that we we come to the law of God. We come to a an agreement in writing, a sealed document, and we say we're going to hold our leaders accountable. We're going to hold our people accountable, and the priests are going to hold everyone accountable to and to what we are going to do here, um, how we're going to govern ourselves. When I read that, uh, it was a few months ago, when I was reading through that in Nehemiah ten, and it just kind of clicked. It's like this is the way it should be, and and this is the way it's, it was set up in this nation. You know, thank the Lord that they had the the foresight to, and the knowledge to see something like that this that we're facing in the future but also to look through the word of god and say hey this is probably a good biblical model that we should follow
1: yeah and i have i have no doubt that that's, that that's what they were thinking i mean i've i've read uh i mean i i've read lists of different aspects of the american government and just have it literally go line by line corresponding to scripture or biblical principles and biblical patterns i mean um, th- there were more pages of, of sermons distributed than any textbook in in the colonial american times i mean it it for all intents and purposes it was their textbook as well as their holy book um and so yeah. of of i mean and so when you think of it that way of course these things are patterned after what we see in scripture. And of course they knew scripture far better than any of us ever could. I mean, I mean, I'm 30 years old. I mean, a a 30 year old me versus a 30 year old colonial American. I mean, having grown up and been reading at a far higher level at a far younger age. I mean, I have no hope of catching up to them in terms of learning and memorizing and soaking in that word, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's only natural that we see our our form of government. Thank God, uh, patterned after some of these uh, biblical principles laid out.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, one of the one of the big Whew, I was worried. <laughs> one of the one of, uh, you you said this already. One of the gifts that our founders gave us was an incredibly slow forming move of government. Uh, John, you said that before. Uh, and it's it's the probably the biggest gift they gave us was that our government can't get anything done unless there is overwhelming consensus. Uh Which and, there might be in twenty twenty two. And that was not uh that was not by accident. Um because when you take a look at something you have, you have to remember that the American Revolution was not the only revolution that happened around the same time because the French Revolution also yeah. happened around the same time. And the French Revolution was founded with instead of instead of using God as their objective source, they used um, uh, knowledge uh, as their objective source. And and they literally, you know, took the the cathedrals and made them temples to knowledge. Um, And they they lived under enlightenment principles. But the reality was that they had no objective source. And uh, are we still talking about the French Revolution today? And uh, the French's Constitution? No, no, yeah, we're not a- about how terrible it was. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not. We're, tar- <laughs> we're talking about the bloodbath that that was, and how how just grotesque it it really was, and what it devolved into. And there's 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 a reason for that. That's because um, we we have something that was given to us by people who were thinking through what would what would be a way to make this a a, a godly form of government. Instituted among men, which is going to ultimately be broken. Absolutely, it's going to be broken. It's instituted among men, nonetheless. Um, yeah. But we should be thankful for that. And so, I I feel like what I what I when I start to think about this this concept holistically here, we find ourselves being able to uh, feel confident in submitting to our submitting ourselves to the highest form of authority we we are submitting ourselves to in the Constitution, and being able to thrive under uh, Romans 13 and first Peter chapter two, uh, because, because of the, the glorious hand of a sovereign God who's placed us here. And that's something that we need to, uh, exalt and leverage. I think, I think that's, that's probably key. I think that's one of the reasons I think we've felt so, um, and joined to this, the causes that we've connected ourselves to, Mm -hmm. um, because, because we can, and we should, because of what we've been given as a gift, um, and for those who don't have that ability, we should love them well so that we can we can raise uh, the banner of Christ over them as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we look, uh, to jump in, uh, when we look at men like uh, James Coates, uh, when he was in prison, Tim Stevens, I mean, there were huge rallies outside the Roman Center. Uh, I remember seeing tiny little Aaron up on the back of a truck trying to speak to a crowd that Honestly, was eye level with her because let's just be honest.
0: She's a super tiny. <laughs> that's just that's yeah, just, the way, it's it's just the way. Very tiny. It's just the way it went. But
1: um, but you know, we we see that we saw those we I I saw those protests and and was moved and and seeing the stands that those men took um along with um some of the other you know I, I consider them heroes essentially of 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 certainly the Canadian pastor. I mean men like Aaron Aaron Rock uh, Jacob Rayom. Uh, Pastor Steve Richardson, who we just recently uh, interviewed, and and others that we talk to regularly. Um, I mean, th- these people, some of these men, uh, thinking of of Jacob and Aaron and uh, uh, and Steve, who were who all all live around the same area. I mean, going to Ottawa to protest. Um, some of them even on, on as things were going down, them going into danger, saying, "Loving my neighbor looks like this." Um, In this time, my civil liberties afford me the right to bring grievances in a peaceful and honorable manner to my government, and I will do so out of love for neighbor and out of love of our ultimate King Christ to allow these civil liberties to continue uh, as long as it is within me, and if I am arrested, so be it, Um, and also to pray for and defend and to evangelize those that are there.
0: Um, it, you know what it was a beautiful to him, to it was a beautiful knows, thing to him that knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin and that's yeah, that's what I got to say That's about exactly that. what
1: I Yeah. <laughs> nice. You guys so, are the
0: same so same.
2: I, yeah, so I know we're probably running low on time. I mean I just um
1: what I mean, did you do I just show- check your watch <laughs> no
2: no i what well, I, I don't have the time because i because of the way this is set up yeah, anyways i'm tech. anyone who doesn't know me i'm technically challenged so um, <laughs> but i was i was gonna kind of just maybe go into if we had time when do you feel that a time of active resistance is Maybe not necessary, but justified because – and this is something I've, I've heard. Of, there's very few people who would say that America's not founded on Christian principles. There's very few people who would say that uh, in, in the Christian realm. Uh, obviously, people who are not Christians would say that. Um, but of those Christians, there's also very few who would say that the American Revolution, a war against the government – violence against the government that brought about that you know basically it was we were unchristian <laughs> we we wanted to be Christian so we did something unchristian to become Christian um is pretty much the argument um, but when do you think if you think um, that violence is justified to ensure that the government is doing the right thing and is there a biblical precedence to do so
1: uh, I mean, while Justin Justin's looking up some scripture, which I'm thankful for, um, you know, I I think of I, I take this pers- I take it personally first because I, I think it's the easiest framework that I have to evaluate this type of thing, right? So, um, you know, I, I think of w- when would I personally use violence against against someone else, um, and I think that certainly first and foremost in my mind. Um, is if is if someone is coming and, and intends to do harm or separate me from uh my me and my family that is certainly a time where I would absolutely one hundred percent uh use a, a justifiable force to combat that um you know w- without even really thinking um about that. and so and I, I think I think something comparable, but I, I mean obviously not exactly comparable, was the outrage that we've been seeing in uh, these parent teacher meetings and these school board meetings over this past year and a half because I think I think that parents are starting to realize uh, that they are not in control of their child children's education in the public school. I, I think that they thought that when you send your children to public school they're getting a neutral, even keel, balanced education. And I think now what they are seeing is that the left has been a little bit too left, and um, and the the scales are falling from their eyes. And we saw vehement uh, resistance to that um, to that concept. Mm. And so when I think of what would make someone willing to take up harm, arms, and you even see this a bit in the founding fathers, their their threat was much more imminent. But their but all throughout their writings, they talk about posterity. Um, I, I truly believe that people of old had a much longer view into the future than what we do. Uh, we look at what's the next tweet, what's the next tweet, what's the next tweet. These people were thinking, uh, what kind of world do I want my great, great grandchildren to live in and how can I build that now? Um, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, I mean, so that that's, that's probably one thing that I would think would take immediate action. Justin, what, what, what do you got there? Um,
0: I was just trying to i mean i i think i think there's a natural understanding what is you, you use the term active resistance and i think that's a uh, that's a fine term to use i don't want to like what i don't want to have happen there's one of those two words that i fully reject and that is active <laughs> <laughs> do you have any sedentary
1: resistance yeah, I like yeah, some I'm, sedentary. I'm more of like a sit down resistance kind of guy um <laughs>
0: When you, when you think about active resistance, <laughs> I, I think one of the things that the church first and foremost should do is uh, open their Bibles. I think that will be a huge form of active yeah. resistance because churches have put their Bibles down on a shelf high above where they can't reach or see so that they're convicted by the sight of it. Um, and I think that would be the first thing that is a form of active resistance that the church should be act- engaged in. We're speaking about the church here. I'm not just speak- I, I I can never, I would never speak about something as simply an American because I'm a Christian and so that that is the filter by which everything comes. So speaking of this, I'm speaking of this as a Christian who is also a, an American. Uh, but a Christian first and foremost. the The reality is, open our Bibles. Uh, that's the first form of active resistance. And the second thing is also do what it says. So, so when we once we complete those two oh. things, <laughs> once we complete those two things, I've like read through the Bible in a year. Oh yeah, what, what, what part did you really like? I don't remember any of it. I mean, that's 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 stupid. So, uh, open it, do what it says. Uh, and I would say that uh, that 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 will lend itself uh, one for us being ready to engage with with something that may look. Uh, like much more physical uh, physical act of resistance um i think i think from there you're looking at steps this is a this is we are in the midst of what I, I see as as a redress process uh we are we are we are acknowledging and redressing grievances uh in many in various forms across the nation in different in different locales um so we're in the midst of that process and uh and what i, I mean the prayer which is what we should be doing we if we're going to read I read our bibles and obey it we should be praying Um, and so we should be praying against, uh, against the, the issues that we see creeping up, um, and for God's, God's hand, uh, to, to wage war against them in victory. Um, and, and as we're doing these things, there, there may come a time for further physical interaction. Um, and I, I would extend just like Jesse said, it's going to, it's going to start with my family. Uh, but then it's going to go to my church family and then it's going to go to my extended church family. And that's where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time and all that doing the all all that. While doing those things, because I'm also going to love my neighbor, um, so that they might too know and understand the objective source of truth, and that is Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that I caution. There's there's a lot of people who have a very glorious view of what warfare really is, um, and especially if it's on your own soil. And I think that we get a really good glimpse of what the Ukrainians are going through right now, what it looks like for someone to try to kill you in your own home. Um, And there are, in our country, we glorify in, in essence, the, you know, I'm just going to sit here on my porch with my gun and whoever comes to take it, I'm going to kill him. Um, And that goes for non-Christians and Christians alike. Um, But, I, there was a reason the founders took 10 years to get to that point. Um, it's a a point that, though, as a young man, I was like, you know, they raised my taxes a dollar, let's go kill him, you know, <laughs> and, and obviously, you know, in jest. Worth it. Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously in jest, but it was like, you know, there, there wasn't even a thought of joke until, I, you know, you actually go through it and you realize that, like, oh, killing another human being is not. Something that anyone should really want to do. Um, And so I I caution. I also – there are biblical examples. I mean David, though he would not kill um, Saul, he wouldn't murder Saul. Um, What he would have done is commit murder in those caves, and he would not kill the Lord's anointed um, because he was – excuse me, Saul was the Lord's anointed. That doesn't mean he didn't actively resist when he was life was threatened. It um, doesn't mean he didn't go and fight. Um, and so I, I think the founders, I think for us, kind of going going to the question, um, I think for us to, to sit here and say that the founders didn't think all this through when they thought when 10 years later they were coming up with a constitution that was so richly, uh, I mean, I, I read an article that said 34% of all the founding documents, every every letter by the founders, everything. I mean, they fifteen thousand documents of the founding fathers that they went through. It was in out of Houston University, and thirty four percent of them are biblical quotations or citations. I mean, that is in. In the next number, I forget. I forget what the actual next um the document was, but it was like it was like seven percent was the next highest percent. Yeah.
0: My gut, so, my gut says John Locke. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, it, yeah. You're looking at Locke and Bl- Blackstone, Blackwell. I always get it wrong. The guy who did English law, Blackrock? No, <laughs> uh, is it Blackstone or Blackwell? I, think, I want to say yeah. Blackwell. Uh, he wrote the commentary in English law. God they, they, they oh,
1: Schwab learn. traveled back in time and
0: <laughs> dang you, World Economic <laughs> Forum.
2: <laughs> and yeah, so so I just I think that when we when we say that God just. <laughs> that people who were adamantly Christian who loved the Lord and wanted to see – and obviously not all of them, but um, who loved the Lord and wanted to see this country become something that God would use mightily, which he did, um, to just say, well, we have to do this really nasty and unchristian thing first by violently resisting the government um, of their time it, it is a very short-sighted view um in my opinion and i think we need to to look at i you know we, the, well, who's that idiot um who's a pastor out in atlanta who said we need to unhitch the old old testament from the new testament but attributed I think a lot largely things, to, andy's, to, andy's to Andy Stanley. who's that idiot <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that would be andy's i don't know where he well, i don't know Andy, where that idiot Andy. is but yeah, it sounds like something that happened in Atlanta. So uh <laughs> Wow. You don't
0: know what else happened that, in Atlanta? G three. G three in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
2: Um I think that's I think that's where he's at. But if it's not, wherever he is. Um run from there. Nicked. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to say something like that that we need to somehow unplug the old testament from the new testament is is kind of insane and um we need to be very careful to read the whole scripture and the whole counsel of God and see, yes, we are not the new Israel here in America. I don't believe we are. But Israel and a lot of things Israel did is, is what God wants our governments to look like. Um, and so we can take principles from that and and bring that into our governance.
1: Yeah. I have a can I ask one more Topical question before we wrap up. Oh sure, why not? Why the heck not, right? So we've kind of been talking about and Here uh, you, go. <laughs> a, you can do what you want. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know if we fully. I mean, it would probably take another hour to actually fully dive into what that looks like, and probably a lot more preparation as yeah, far as. I'm, the, well, when, I'm so
0: glad you're gonna ask this question. Went to bed.
1: No, 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 not my question. The oh, one that we okay. just tried to discuss. You know, but
0: oh no, really, we've barely scratched the surface of this. This is a much longer conversation, but I yeah. think it's you got to get the ball rolling somewhere, right? Oh yeah. The,
1: Yep. Yes, we do. Yeah.
0: Um, so my my question is: so we we've talked
1: about kind of what 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 would be permissible here, but what are some can, what can we just for the sake of clarity um, talk about? What are some clearly unChristian ways to interact with the government? That would that would clearly violate biblical principles when it comes to how uh, we should I interact with our I believe it is our...
0: overtly wrong to um, bomb the government. Um, yeah. While they're assassinate
2: the Lord's anointed.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think we should be shooting shooting our politicians. You know, no. um, I don't think this. I, this is not where we are at. We are not in this place. That is not correct. No one do that. <laughs> uh, trying that's why to, Trying
2: to smear. Try, I think trying to smear our politicians is another way to do it. another thing, like trying to blackmail them. Um,
0: yeah, I, I mean, lying. if they did something wrong, bring it up. Yeah, if they did something yeah.
2: wrong. Bring it up, but don't try to to in a, in an essence slander them. Uh, just to, especially with the motive of just feeling good about yourself.
0: Yeah, and there's no <laughs> a lot reason of these people to lie.
2: Don't care about the sin they committed, anyway. Uh, yes, that's so. that's also
0: true. There's no reason to lie either about them. I, I think that's also yeah. why we shouldn't be interacting with our politicians. They pol- pol- our politicians do enough lying as it is. We don't need to lie about them. We can simply point out mm-hmm. the truth. Uh, it's really all that's necessary. Um, what about uh, what about when a Christian?
2: I think fearing them, fearing them is another sin as well. Um,
0: mm-hmm. oh, you the we, other way we there. should have fear of them. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, hot in though,
2: here. though after I say, after I say, I don't fear uh, my politicians. I am not feeling of like committing suicide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> John does not, just, just like, like
0: Jesse Smollett. Jesse oh, Smollett. He, al- he
1: also does <laughs> yeah. not want to commit suicide.
0: Yes, I heard him say that. <laughs> yeah. What a deray during-
1: <laughs> What a sad, strange little man, <laughs> and I pity him. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well um, all I know is that if he does die in prison alone in his cell uh, he's probably just been killed by his attackers so <laughs> there's only one person to
1: blame and that's himself um he uh so what about what about uh what about the category of speech what about calling calling let's just say a, you hear a christian calling the president a moron what how would you
0: respond to that uh was the president being a moron
2: <laughs> like I did tonight
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, no. I I, oh, I mean, yeah, like I, literally, if the president, I, I don't. I, I'm sorry. Um, there's there's, I don't want to go into this. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to be caught into the realm of Christian kindness uh, as if it's the God that I serve because it's not. Um, when someone behaves foolishly, they should be called a fool. You stop being a fool. Become a wise person. Be wise now. Um, and that's. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't have a problem saying that. I don't have a problem enacting on it. And it doesn't matter who's Trump, like, who's president, who's president. When Trump's president, he says something stupid. <laughs> doesn't matter who's Trump it doesn't matter right now. <laughs> president. It doesn't matter who's president. Sometimes uh, we all have our Trump, own personal eloquos. <laughs> when Trump, when Trump says something stupid, he says something stupid. Stop being stupid and say something smart. You shouldn't yeah. say that. And when when Biden says something stupid, or just I don't know jewels or whatever you'd say that stop it that's not okay you can't do that that's not that's not what <laughs> a press make, is supposed to do making a mess <laughs> so so i mean like I, I don't again i don't we don't worship these people we we, we should be kind where we can be kind mm. right we should i, I think it's i okay. i just mean
1: i just i'm tying it back to the idea of honoring honoring the king i i'm I'm trying to bring it back what what does it what does it mean to honor someone even though they could they are evil or are enacting evil policies what does it mean to do that it
0: means i follow them where i can and where i can't i don't follow them I, I don't we don't have a king we have we have we have our officials are not to be seen as kings specifically so I it's a hard no i just mean how does that translate this the, the entire podcast yes, justin if you've been paying attention I understand. how
1: do these to... principles translate into our constitutional republic go ahead john
2: and so, well, I was going to say because I just remembered that this book I was talking about, John Knox's Faith by Stephen Lawson, um, was in my <laughs> right next to me the entire time.
1: And yeah, it's a hard uh, life for him. <laughs> was a hard. And you look life at the way
2: he, for him. <laughs> <laughs> we look at the way he interacted with the leaders of the time. Um, I think is a good example. Uh, I mean, this is what he says to when um, – what's-her-face gets married? Mary um, married Darley in July. Um, She gave him the title of king. And so he comes in and he – or sorry, Henry, not Darley. Um, Henry, he comes into St. Giles and, I mean, Knox starts preaching. And this is what he says to him while he's preaching. He just looks at him and says, kings then have no absolute power to do in the regiment what they pleaseth. But this power is limited by God's words, that if they strike where God commandeth not, they are but murderers. And if they spare when God commandeth them to strike, they are their throne, a crim- are criminal and guilty of wickedness, and abundeth upon the face of the earth for lack of punishment. So, I mean, he's just calling him, he's just called this guy a murderer if he doesn't do the right thing. Um, Did he I mean, call we, him uh, a bunion a upon the face under.
0: of the earth? Was that that last line? A bunion upon the face <laughs> of the earth?
2: He said abundance wickedness that abundeth.
0: oh okay got it got it so he's yeah, he's, yeah. yes got it, got Paul it okay. bunyan. <laughs> I was like, poor guys <laughs> but, poor, I mean, you're, you're like a bunion he- on the back side of the earth <laughs> got a bunion
2: <laughs> i mean some of the things he said to to mary i mean he made her cry when he was just screaming the gospel at her and i mean it's john knox i think um is a really good example of how preachers especially in an in a an antagonistic environment, need to interact with our leaders. And it's, it's yes, it's, should we be calling them morons? And and should we, um, and we should definitely shouldn't say obscenities about them. But like you said, if they're an idiot, they're an idiot. And I'm sure John Knox called them idiots when he talked to them. I mean, if you, if something where if you weren't going to say it to their face, you know, the old rule, if you're not going to say it to their face, don't say it at all, um, I think is, is something that's uh, smart to go by. At the end of the day, these people that lead us—you know, Joe Biden—is not our king; um, he's our employee, and so um, though we treat him with the, with the respect of a human being, um, we don't coddle him either. So,
0: yeah, and I think I think going back to Ephesians six, we should be we should know that God is God is not ignorant; He is watching, and mm-hmm. He is, does not He does. He does not have partiality when he judges, so we we, we should be careful. No. We should be careful to know that to note that when we speak about them. Um, I, I think when when someone's being a fool and uh, you call him a fool and say stop being a fool, then you are doing exactly what you are supposed to do, and I don't think that's something that that, that God mm-hmm. is going to be upset about. Um, you know. So well, is there anything to take from Paul's example
1: in in Acts twenty three? I don't know. Sure, before, I'm sure before, there is before before the before the council. So as Paul, looking intently at the council, said, "Brother, and sure. I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day." The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, "God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit? Uh, do you sit to try me according to the law, and in violation of the law, order me to be struck?" But the bystander says, do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So there's Paul actually being confrontational, being cheeky, um, and then actually kind of walking it back. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. I'm know—I'm—I'm I'm trying to see the, the the tension between these biblical narratives and trying to figure out where we land. That's all. I just that's love, all. That's all I'm trying to. do I
0: just love it when Paul's like. That's all I'm trying when to Paul's do. like in a room, and all the all the religious leaders are mad at him, and he's like, "I got the Pharisees, I got the Sadducees. It's because of the resurrection. That's why they have me here." And then the Pharisees <laughs> and Sadducees start yelling at each other. <laughs> it was a resurrection insurrection, and he's just like, oh, "Look at these guys." <laughs> he's like Homer Homer Simpson into the bush. <laughs> like, that's one of my favorite ones. Paul's constantly playing the Jew card, the Pharisee card against the Sadducee card, against the Roman card. He did it all the time to leverage the gospel, and he had no qualms about it. He knew his it. politics, right? He knew right. his politics. He sure as heck did.
2: And I and I, I I agree with that. There there comes a time where you know I I do find it a little odd, and maybe maybe this is me reading too much into it, and not um, maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but could it be sarcastic that he said that? Because, how did he not know that's who that person was? Um, well, being as intelligent. It was a surprise. As, and this is just a question. I mean, so Paul was a, a very here. sarcastic person. Um... And again, uh-huh. I, without having the scripture in front of me and knowing the context, I, I guess maybe that would answer the question uh, oh, so, right away. So, so you're <laughs> saying?
1: So you're saying? But the bystander said, "Do you revile God's heath?" And Paul said, "I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest." <laughs> is, is oh, that, yeah, let
0: I mean, me lick the boots of the high priest. Real sorry about that. <laughs> why is my
1: foot? wet? Well, I mean,
2: <laughs> that that's something Paul. That's something, as we know of Paul, he would say. I mean, it's and so. I, I don't know. I, again, I mean, maybe that was out of line for me to say because I don't have the context in front of me to be like assertive on this. Well, but we will
0: judge you. I'm, so Jesse will yeah, anyway. Jesse's away. Jesse's pretty judgy, so we do, I do apologize for him.
2: But I I think that there there are times for calling someone a fool. And then that – I mean when I was called an idiot, they usually corrected me.
0: Right. Um, right but that's I what think I mean. It all
2: should come, it all should come into the, the point of we are trying to conform them to Christ. Um, in their in their governance and righteousness and their governance and so, if calling someone an idiot to get them to listen to you and but it's done in love and correctedness is what is used, then yes. But if is saying to that person like, "Hey, man," and bringing them aside is the way to do it, then yes. You know, whatever, whatever it takes to not right. not a pragmatic whatever it takes to the end goal, but that's what you gotta love. Got to be does. like
0: Paul. That's what love does. Love, love, love meets in the moment. And some people need, I, I need you to call me a fool because I'm not going to get it with your, with your soft handed white glove. I can't, it's not going to work for me. I'm an idiot. I'm thick head. I'm stubborn. I'm thick headed. I need someone, to, I need you to hit me with the hammer to get it. And, and there are people like that. And then there are times where there's people that are not like that, that you can't treat that way because they, they will shrink and they will, they will feel either defeated or they will become defiant. And, and you can't. You have to read, you have to read that room, but we know love is different for each situation. You know, sometimes it, sometimes I love my child by yanking their arm out of its socket and screaming at them to not run in front of the car in the street. And that is love because I'm protecting their life. And sometimes it's, you know, condescending on one knee, getting down face to face with them and hearing what they have to say, even though it's, it's absolutely meaningless about some, you know, little book picture that they have and that that's loving them as well you know you have to you have to read the situation and the person
1: well i think one thing that we can all agree with guys before we uh before we start wrapping up here is that wherever we met joe biden we he would have to be led by the hand um so um so real quick um as we as we're wrapping up uh, i was reading today in uh, in god versus government by nathan bucinich <laughs> and james coates james coates um i just wanted to <laughs> And uh, I I did just want to. Is it okay if I close? Are you guys okay if I close? You're you're welcome to close. Sounds good. Well, I'll I'll close and then I'll pass off to Justin and then we'll do the seas of faith thing. That's that's what we got to do. I don't want you to think that I'm going to
0: close with the seas of faith thing. That's we can't oh.
1: we can't mess with that for me. I feel
0: like John's been on enough now that he has to get the get the cue and do the seas of faith thing as well.
1: Oh I yeah, mean, I am part of the faith fellowship. That's so right. The faith. We'll <laughs> <just, laughs> I I'm I'm all down with John being on the seas of faith. All right. So. Uh, To to wrap up, I I thought that this was an absolutely wonderful uh, piece um, from James' sermon, The Time Has Come, and uh, if I may, I will just read it, and then uh, Justin will give us our cues. Um, James says, Biblically, the government has no authority to tell the church how to worship, but what about from a legal perspective? The beginning of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms explains that it guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law, which... Uh, as can be demonstrated as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Fortunately, our constitution does not have that clause in it. That means the government is subject to the law of the land. We often act as if the government is the law, that whatever the government says goes, but there is a law that governs this land. The government is subject to that law and that law is fundamentally in place to protect the citizens from tyrannical governments in this situation. We aren't the ones who are we aren't the ones who are in disobedience to the law the government is they need to prove that what they are doing is necessary that the infringement on our civil liberties is justifiable it is our responsibility as citizens to hold them accountable in fact i would say a failure to do so would be a dereliction of our duty we have a responsibility to meet on legal grounds and this too is tied to scripture the second greatest commandment is that we love our neighbor as ourselves right now The civil liberties of our neighbors are being severely eroded. Nearly an entire generation of men gave their lives for our freedoms, yet so many are simply handing over those hard-fought civil liberties without any word of protest. Not me. I am sounding the alarm, and based on the second greatest commandment, I refuse to stay silent while our government takes away the civil liberties of an unsuspecting or unknowing generations of
0: citizens. And uh, what what a good word. Yep, that was from that sermon that I... (laughs) got sent by one of our congregants, and they were like, hey, what do you think about this? And uh, I watched it, and I watched this fiery red-haired guy. I had no idea where he was from, and he was spouting all this fire, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I kind of just, I I just preached this, you know, last Sunday, not nearly as well, but everything this guy said. Everything. That's all I said. Everything this guy said is correct. And all
2: you can imagine is him riding and speaking this on a moose and then just riding it back
0: off to the sunset. Yep, yep. (laughs) The Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. Well, man, I I just want to I just want uh, to unplug us from this discussion and uh, take a second to remind uh, remind everybody here that on the Carpe Fide Podcast, what we always like to encourage you to do is to seize, seize the, the faith. faith. <laughs>